What did he say? There's a guy in our quartet Talks like no one I've heard yet He mumbles, mumbles all the time He's got no reason and he's got no What did he say? You know, not gonna say so. What did he say? If I can go What did he say? He said, bring something round, we'll have a ball today. You are listening to the next voice you hear with Juan Yoon. Welcome, folks, to the next voice you hear. I'm one of your co-hosts, Juan. And I'm Nevin Ryan. Hello, humans. Well, hello, humans is a particularly good greeting today because we're going to talk about non-humans. So robots. robots. The robots are coming. So we're going to start with our usual first segment, and that is called Cool Hunting. Now, how do you like them apples and in the service of cool hunting you know we're always looking at particularly now what kind of um organizations you know are reporting on cool things and we found this website called scitechdaily.com we'll put the link obviously <clears throat> underneath the uh, the podcast but scitechdaily.com is unbelievably cool, first of all. It has all these different categories of science, technology, every area of science, medicine, you name it. And every day they have more stories about uh, recently published papers, new innovations, new breakthroughs and discoveries. It is incredibly cool, especially if you're totally tired of reading only COVID news or you know, US election news, it is refreshing. And it shows how much amazing stuff is happening in the world right now. Yeah, people are going to actually think this is an ad. They're, they're, they're probably going to have to fast forward through this shit. I know. Brought to you by SciTech Daily. <laughs> they are not a sponsor. <laughs> they don't pay us. But they are unbelievably cool. I've, I've signed up for it, and so has Nevin. And every day I get reports of cool new things happening. And one of the articles that really caught our attention was this article called What to Expect When You're Expecting Robots <laughs> and the Future of, of uh, Human and Robot Collaboration. And it's really about uh, a book co-authored by these two women who are MIT professors and clearly raving geniuses. And uh, they really talk about what's, what we can expect in the near future, you know, is that, and I quote, Robots of the future will no longer work for us, but with us, they will be less like tools programmed to carry out specific tasks in controlled environments as factory automatons or domestic Roombas have been, and more like partners interacting with and working among people in the more complex and chaotic real world. So that really caught my attention. Yeah, no, it's, they were like talking about it, like becoming a part of society too, right? Mm -hmm. um, a big part of that is them being like picking up more on social cues. Like if a, if a woman with a, with a baby is walking down the street, she's got a cup of coffee in her hand, a normal robot would usually just like kind of walk by and not even step aside or let them pass. So it's like these kind of social cues or these, these acts of politeness 
are are going to allow them to become more a part of society or people are going to start accepting them oh that was like a nice thing that that robot did for me today you, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, well it's like the domestication of robots you know we, we, yeah, turned, we yeah. turned the ancestors of wolves into the domesticated dog now we're going to take this cold robot thing and integrate yeah. it into our our, our daily you know we know that that uh robots are already at factories and distribution centers for Amazon and so on. And we are going to start seeing them in, in parking lots as parking attendants. And, but what this article is saying is they're going to be in, in the sidewalk, in the grocery store, in the hotel, and in your home. Yeah. And it's like the perfect time. Like I was thinking about this in the last 10 years, we have seen a shift where like robots are an actual thing, right? Their place is no longer in sci-fi or uh, in books or, or movies or anything like that. Like you ever see those videos of the Boston Dynamics dog and like the people kicking the shit out of it? No, that oh, would be it's... very upsetting. Even if it's a robot <laughs> dog, I don't like seeing that. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of robot cruelty, but I think that because of the pandemic, because of like these things are actually being very useful, there won't be that much aversion to it from a human perspective because there's so much aversion to human interaction, right? It's perfect. Yeah, I, I think uh, COVID has really, you know, almost reversed the lens, as mm -hmm. it were, you know. Uh, but at the same time, in other words, it sets up a conflict. So on the one hand, we, we want them, need them, see reasons to have them. And on the other hand, we still have this very deeply rooted fear of thinking machines, you know, if, if even the recent, recently completed and yet to be released Dune, which is going to be a huge, huge movie mm -hmm. next year in 2021, Dune takes place, I think, 20, 30,000 years in the future after a quote jihad where we have eliminated all thinking machines from human society. And that, that's how seriously even Frank Herbert took it back in 1965. So, anyway, I thought maybe we could talk about what um what could be the pull as well what as well as what would be the pushback to mm -hmm. me, meaning what's the tension i mean we we talked about the pull about human safety but there's also efficiency and cost you know you don't have to pay a robot you buy it once but you don't have to keep paying them yeah absolutely but i think i think the pushback is um everyone like if you go to the states you talk about robots you talk about just loss of jobs like that's mm -hmm. that's really all it is is people are afraid of losing their jobs to someone that can or something that can do it much more efficiently if it's um, an if it's an algorithm if, if it's, it's a an algorithm yeah. or an algorithm for sure and and people like daniel pink has been have been saying that for 20 years if your job is an algorithm you better find another job soon because yeah robot, or a, a call center in Bangladesh will replace you. And it's of course. Yeah. And like also the, it just makes the world a bit colder. Mm. Um, it's already cold enough and losing that human element, using that or losing that human touch, I think is something that would be a huge pushback. Mm. Um, so uh, <laughs> I, yeah, it's definitely needed, but there's always those balances that you have to kind of have to play with these things because it's just going to create a lot of anxiety for a yeah, lot of and, people. And, and there will be for a while, at least, and any number of things that are not algorithms that uh, robots are going to have a very hard time doing if it's, uh, as we say, if it's a heuristic, if it's creative problem solving or emotional intelligence. But even there, I think some inroads have been made with uh, 
with AI. Plus there's the question of social responsibility and liability. If there's an accident, you know, if, if someone causes you an accident, you can sue them or, or take Absolutely. them to court. But when a robot does it, it starts to change the whole equation around responsibility and liability. That's had to have happened so far, right? Like with autonomous vehicles, like in pilot markets where they're, they're everywhere, or at least they're at least visible um, and on the roads. Like someone must have <laughs> have rear-ended one. Well, I mean, <laughs> obviously we, human error is there, but we've yeah. had uh, beta tests of it in Toronto, and I think next year we'll see the first sort of, you know, vans, as it were, that are autonomous. But they will have a human attendant inside them, just as the uh, the Uber beta test vehicles, which mm -hmm. are luxury Volvos. They have a human attendant inside them. I believe that in some cases, the liability question has been responsible because it takes a lot of time to figure out, has been responsible for some of the delays. Otherwise, we would have seen them uh, in regular use on the streets. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking of is just like the more they become part of our society and become a huge industry, there's going to be so many just shit robots out there. Like I was looking, <laughs> like just useless things. Like for instance, I was looking at on like on Google, it's going, going through a bit of a wormhole, but I saw that Charmin, the toilet paper company, is coming up with a robot that brings you, is connected to your phone, that brings you toilet paper if you're in a bind. You're in the Wiz Palace, you're, you're sitting down and you're in a bind because there's no toilet paper. This thing will bring you toilet paper. Like, I, I don't know. The, Meaning the in, in your home versus when in, you're out and about? In your home, yeah. Oh, oh. I don't know. The, the Seriously? The specifics, <laughs> specifics were very unclear, but it's an actual thing. I'll put the link in the podcast thing. There was that. Uh, so like, that, like, for instance, like that they make, let's say they make like a thousand, ten thousand of those. Those things will go in the trash. Where are, all the, where are all these robots going to go? <laughs> and eventually Isaac Asimov's, you know, reality or, or fiction will, will come to pass to some extent because sooner or later, you know that we're going to start having conversations about the rights mm -hmm. of robot. You talked, you know, earlier about people abusing a robot dog. There are going to be plenty of people who find that offensive and then start to attribute, let's call it um, not just human characteristics, but uh, the sense of rights. Robot rights, yeah. Or, or laws about the mistreatment. Because they, they always ride that line between property and being a, a being. With it doesn't have a soul. Yeah. Yeah. You know. well, there's, yeah, there's another thing that I saw that is kind of a little bit separate from this, which was um, I saw that they're creating, it's Sarcos Robotics. They're creating a super suit. So you know that super suit they and uh, we always mention Avatar <laughs> in this podcast, but I'm gonna mention it again. But you know those super suits that they have, um, like where they like mm. the the army people. So Delta Airlines has created with uh, Sarcos Robotics a super suit for people that are working in the airlines to like lift huge loads that are over a hundred pounds just with like kind of natural movements. So I can see people fucking around with those and having huge robot fights, but yeah. <laughs> Meaning on board, like in the cabin? No, not in the cabin, but like in the, like below, below deck. Oh, okay. Or if they call that below deck, I don't really know. But like, yeah, like it's robots in a different way. It's, it's kind of cyborgish. Sort of like a Sigourney Weaver in Aliens when she has the, the battle. In, yeah. She's, yeah. She's in yeah. that sort of forklift robot thing and she's battling the queen of the aliens. 
yeah so all these things like they're that's why sci-fi is so sweet because it usually just comes to fruition it actually becomes reality yeah yeah um, i I, I really am starting to think more and more and i've always thought this really but it's coming to pass more that sci-fi is like the the convergence of entertainment and prescience mm -hmm. <laughs> the ability to foretell the future it's amazing exactly that's five minutes that's beyond five minutes so we're going to okay. go to our what if and our okay. what if is it's very related to this obviously so if there was a relatively affordable personal assistant robot who could do the following things for you grocery shopping yard work walk the dog deliver things to family and friends just act as a proxy basically for you and an avatar to even make personal visits what would that world look like what would personal, we look personal like? visits to relatives I don't want to see or relatives I want to see, but I can't, let's say, because they're far away or they live in, we're living in COVID times. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Make the visits that you don't well, want. To let, let's set a few parameters. So let's pretend I'm going to assume that the cost of the price tag uh, of this kind of product is going to follow a bit of the trajectory like EVs, you know, electric vehicles like Tesla. So in the early stages, it's going to be very expensive to cover their R&D costs. It'll be presented as like a luxury item that oh. only a few can afford. But then it, then soon, in, by the second or third generation, it'll become affordable. So like let's pretend Toyota that Camry. it... Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, let's pretend <laughs> it's about the cost of a Honda Civic or a Toyota Camry. That's so funny. That's exactly what it's like. A nice, reliable, mid-sized sedan. Exactly. Meaning... Yeah. You know, a lot of people will be able to to afford it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so then, the real question. This is almost like a very short "what if" that goes into the bad ideas, right? Yeah. Really? In a way, yeah. We can. I think we can go back and forth. Like, yeah. One, yeah. how would we market this? But two, like, what is it? Let's kind of try to define like what what are those those things and what does it look like? What is it? You know. So let's, uh, let's complete the picture. Let's assume that it is approximately the size of a human, but a not intimidating size. So let's say it's about five feet tall, between five feet and five foot six, or, right? It's like a little person. Yeah, it's, it's a person, but it's not a big, intimidating, scary person uh, that it's been given some human features, maybe a bit like, you know, the character in Ex Machina, um, but less scary. So, so it's hot? <laughs> <laughs> humanized like, what, are, we, are we sexing up this robot <laughs> that could be it so don't don't shoot me but that could be another use like that's a, that could be spouse. maybe that's a different model <laughs> yeah you've been with your spouse for a long time looking to spice things up with proxy with proxy who looks like alicia vikander so let's say the regular personal assistant version is not that quite so beautiful yeah uh, but but it's appealing and it's warm and it's unintimidating it's about five feet tall or a bit over that and it's about the price of a honda civic okay so and i loved your word that you used before you said your proxy so why don't yeah. why don't we why don't we call it proxy maybe that's the brand name yeah okay that's good wait one sec wait one sec before we get into that i wanted to just i want to challenge but we can keep going with how it looks but do you think though that if it looks human, kind of walks like a human, do you think people would like that inauthenticity? Like it's something, it's pretending it's something that it's not, right? And do you think people would have like, kind of some, meet that with the, some resistance? 
I think that's exactly what's being tested and what needs to be tested on a consumer level right away is almost like there are three different versions of it that I would test. The one that absolutely looks like a machine. In other words, yeah. it declares itself as, as a machine, even though it can have warm, uh, a warm voice or a warm, you know, or smooth way of moving, but it looks like a machine. At the other end, one that truly tries to simulate, simulate human characteristics, even to the touch and temperature. Mm -hmm. And then something in between that says, I am human-like, but I am a robot. You know, my guess is that the middle one might be the most appealing, but you just never know until you, you test it in oh, real yeah. life settings. Yeah, and you get real human responses to it. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's, yeah, let's market this thing. <laughs> yeah, so let's say we've done that testing and, yeah. and it's, it's somewhere between, you know, uh, machine and human. It, it has some machine characteristics and human characteristics, which is, is a decent guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so really, like, who would we be focusing on as the, the target audience? or the target market. And the first place I would go to is uh, women with a reasonably high income and education who were, are working full time and have children. That's exactly where my mind I would mind. start right there. <laughs> like, That's exactly where I went too. Yeah, it's like- uh, In fact, ability. I would look at who owns, like if we were to geo, like we were to target Toronto, I would find any, woman who owns for example a lexus suv and has children living at home <laughs> yeah no that's that's perfect because it, uh, the things that this this thing can ostensibly do is that it can probably do cooking it can run errands it can look after your children if you want to maybe it can discipline it <laughs> I'm not too sure. I can That's definitely a scary. See, I can definitely <laughs> see the kid just like, fuck you, robot. <laughs> like, yeah, well, you'd have to decide, you know, is, yeah. is the mom the good cop and proxy the bad cop? Or the other <laughs> way around. Yeah, don't let me send proxy on you. You just wait yes. till proxy gets back from the groceries. He's gonna be so so cross. <laughs> yes. And I would I would imagine that uh, either it's gonna have different settings. For different roles, like for example, if you're gonna use it in some ways as a nanny, you're gonna have to, you know, have nanny setting or nanny software in yeah. it. And of course, obviously, based on machine learning, it's gonna get better and better. But it has to begin with a certain amount of of, of software and knowledge about performing that role, like cooking as well. It it, it would need to learn how to cook uh, if you want to want to use it for that before it arrives at your doorstep. Meaning, you would have to yeah. be that information. And is it, so is it an extension of yourself? Like, is it a proxy? Is it like you in a way? Like, does it represent you or does it have its own identity in a way? I would position it, and this is just my instinct. I would position it really as your wingman. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, when, when you have a wingman, they are in some ways an extension of you, but they have their own personality. They're just there for you, right? They're looking mm -hmm. out for you and they're doing, they're, they're doing something you can't do or you're afraid to do. And that's exactly what a wingman does when you're out and about, right? When you're yeah. at, a, at, a, at a club or a bar. Uh, so if it's positioned in a sense as this all-purpose wingman, I think that's really interesting. You know, I think it's land. also, 
Yeah, and it's another, like a more emotional angle to it. Cause like, yes, you can go with the efficiency angle, doing all these things at once, but what it allows you to do is do the things that you really want to do or things that you're missing out on. Well, you know, we always, it's always going to run into or eventually going to run into some of the same, let's call it psychosocial issues, you know, that staff, maids, nannies, butlers have run into. For example, jealousy. Uh, A human being can become jealous of this because let's say your kids actually start to form an attachment to proxy. Mm -hmm. It's quite possible your kids may end up liking proxy a lot lot more than they like you, you know, as as a parent. (laughs) Or your spouse. Yes. So it's going to have to go through multiple beta test versions where we are trying to understand the complexities of the relationship that is going to emerge between the owner, the owner's family and and friends. So for example, um, if you're going to send it as your proxy to make personal visits, like you said before, let's say your grandmother's in a nursing home, it's COVID, you can't see her, but you're going to go. And let's say you can imbue it with your personality uh, or there's just a, um, a speaker and a video screen where you are literally speaking and being seen and heard by your grandmother and vice versa. Uh, but the robot is there holding her hand so that there it feels like, a, like you're there in, in yeah. the room. But there's all sorts of problems that that kind of capability creates and all sorts of temptations it creates as well. For example, what if this got in the hands of somebody who had ill intention? You know, mm. you can't screw. Do you screen who buys it? <laughs> well, hard well, I to think do you have, that. You have hard programming in, in, in it somehow, but, but you're right. Like it, it's still saying what you're saying and still kind of, yeah, no, that's tough. Definitely. And that's why I think ultimately fiction will become reality because we're going to have to come face to face with the uh, Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics that uh, a robot cannot harm uh, another human being, you know, through uh, an act of commission or omission. Uh, a robot cannot allow somebody to be harmed. I, in fact, I'm going to, while we talk, pull up the actual three laws of robotics and quote mm-hmm. them to you because mm-hmm. in a weird sort of way, we are, we have approached that era where it's become true. This he wrote more than 50 years ago. The first law is that a robot shall not harm a human or by inaction, allow a human to come to harm. Mm. The second law is that a robot shall obey any instruction given to it by a human. And the third law, which is perhaps the most important, is that a robot shall avoid actions or situations that could come, that could cause it to come to harm itself, unless it is trying to save a human life. So those three laws fit together into a framework that are, at least in Isaac Asimov's fictional world, uh, kind of create the parameters of behavior yeah. for, for a robot. And I believe that we're going to have to program exactly like that in order for, to have robots safely integrate into society. No, for sure. I only, I obviously, as a millennial, I just watched the movie, so. (laughs) 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 
I understand what you're saying, but I'm just picturing Will Smith and Sonny the robot. So oh, it's, the, the movie so doesn't live up to the book. The oh, iRobot series. Oh, the movie series. was great. One. Oh was yeah, amazing. the movie was just so like fast food version compared to a steak. No, the books are amazing. And by the way, I, I think a major motion picture uh, version or major series is going to be made out of the other iconic series by Isaac Asimov, the Foundation series, which is about a scientist who can, has created a mathematical model where he can predict the future. And it's uh, one of the best-selling series in science fiction. So between iRobot and the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov and Dune finally being made into a proper mm. uh, film by Denis Villeneuve, uh, we're gonna start to see really some vivid examples of science fiction predicting today. Nice, love it. Well, we're over our time, but that was uh, that was great. That was too that was too quick. But thank you for joining. My name's Nevin Ryan. My name is Juan Yoon, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>